So again, it is the first Sunday of Advent, and we celebrate the Advent, the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Savior, who was to come into the world. And I was actually surprised. There was a number of folks I've talked to in the church who say, oh, I'm glad we celebrate Advent. That I didn't come from a tradition that did that. I thought every church would celebrate Advent. I mean, Christmas, I think most Christian churches celebrate Christmas. But to, design, uh, to, to kind of follow the tradition of the four Sundays uh, leading up as a time of um, anticipation and of hope, uh, preparing to, to celebrate Jesus, the light of the world, um, you know, coming into a world of darkness, and at the, really the darkest time of the year, celebrating light coming into darkness, uh, is, a, is a great tradition. Um, and it reminds us, you know, that the world needed Jesus then and needs Jesus just as much today uh, in the midst of, of, of the darkness that we can experience too. So on a cosmic level, we celebrate it. On a personal level, we need Jesus to come into the dark places in our lives too and bring his light and life to us as well. So um, hope is a theme of the season. Hope is the theme of the first Sunday of Advent. But we're going to use hope as the theme of our whole season. And we're calling this series Finding Hope Under the Bethlehem Skies. Uh, we get this title, I still stole this title, from a, the devotional book of the same name. It's a devotional that was written by uh, Pastor Robin Ham. He is a pastor in England and uh, developed this resource. So grab one on your way out. We've got lots of copies. Uh, get one for people who aren't here today. And it'll be a companion resource as we journey through the season of Advent. It starts on Thursday, so it starts December 1 and follows right through to Christmas. Um, have your Bible in one hand, your devotional in the other. There's an online playlist and stuff if you have your device there to, to play the music. There's lots of great resources, and we want this to be a really spiritually rich season for you uh, and as a church together. So uh, you'll notice that, though, that this devotional and our sermons are about a special baby that was born in Bethlehem, but not the story of Mary and Joseph and Jesus. It's the story of Ruth and Boaz and Obed, uh, not quite as popular around Christmas. But beyond the fact that these births happen in uh, the town of Bethlehem, uh, beyond that, the, these stories are very much connected. This is a, about a thousand years before the time of Jesus, but this is Jesus's family. This is his ancestors, and the stories are going to be very connected as we see as we go through this. Um, so Ruth is, is very appropriate with the Bethlehem and, and the baby stuff, but also that hope is, uh, is going to be a theme of this, of this book, and we all need hope all the time. Um, and it's hope that comes to ordinary people who are just living their kind of unimportant lives. And that's my hope for us too, not to call you ordinary or unimportant, but for the most part, that's what you are. We're seeking to live out our faith in Jesus Christ and experience God in our, the everyday of life, not just in the spectacular, huge moments of our lives, yes, but also every day through normal things, through ordinary people, God is unfolding his good purposes for the entire world. Um, you're not going to see any big miracles in the book of Ruth. You're, there's no virgin births. There's no fire falling from heaven. There's no resurrections of the dead. There's, there's none of those kind of spectacular things, and yet... Very clearly, God's purpose is unfolding in the life of faithful people who are trusting him. And this is a, this is a great, uh, it, it's, a, it's just great for us and for this season and for you. Let us pray as we begin. So, Father, as we begin this 
new season, as we begin this new sermon series, as we look at your word, we know that it is indeed living and active, and we pray that through this story of these common people, really these poor people in many ways, uh, we look at our own lives and we want to we know the, the power of your presence, the goodness of your work, uh, to, to know what it is to have faith in you and to see you provide in our lives as well, Lord. So I pray that you would use this um, richly in this season of anticipation. Be glorified, Lord. Be glorified. Teach us now in this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so two things I want to show you today. One is that this was truly a terrible time. And secondly, how it is that they found hope and how is it that we could find hope in our terrible times as well. So first of all, in the, in the first verse, we can see right away that this is a terrible time. Uh, this was a culturally terrible time in the days when the judges ruled. That's a significant factor. So uh, if you are familiar with the book of Judges, this, the story of Ruth takes place during that time period. We as a church studied through the book of Judges a few years ago. We entitled that sermon series, Epic Fail. It was a terrible time in the lives of God's people. There was, uh, it was a time of just rebelling against God and falling into a deep place and then turning back to God, and, and then, but then turning away from God again and this cycle over and over again. It was a very unstable time. Uh, the end of the book of Judges says it best. Judges 21-25 says, In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Or you could translate, Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. That is a recipe for failure. That is a recipe for trouble. When you live in a world that rather than turning to God in his way, and what he shows us is right, you just do what's right in your eyes. You do what feels good for you. You do what feels good for you. And we'll all just do our own thing and we'll all be fine. No, you won't. Worlds where people are completely untethered from God's way uh, tend to fall into chaos. And, and in a lot of ways, not all that different than the world we live in. Where the greatest, uh, the greatest ethic of our day is just your own autonomy to do whatever you think is right. Um, but it, gets, it's very, it doesn't produce a lot of hope and peace and goodness. You think it would if you're going to do what's right and you do what's right and everybody's doing right. But we see that not everybody does what's right. Or what you think is right may not fit what culturally we, we need together. Um, the Bible describes hope, the hope that we have in God as something that is firm and secure. It's like an anchor for our soul, the Bible says. But we live in a world that drops an anchor and it's not grabbing anything. It's not attached to anything firm. And, and just a lot of people just toss to and fro in all different ways. So this is a culturally terrible time. It's an environmentally terrible time. We see here there was a famine in the land. So that's the reality of the world we live in, that we have environmental problems. And sometimes because of climate and weather, and the, the crops don't grow and there isn't food. And we we can feel disconnected from our environment, but we still, because we eat, we are very connected to our environment. I don't know if you paid more for your Thanksgiving turkey this year. Uh, that's, some of that's just inflation, but some of it is uh, disease and bird flu and things that would cause um, supply uh, to go down and for prices to, to go up. And um, we experience that in different ways. Um, even though most of us aren't farmers, we know that there's the reality to uh, environmental Trouble. Now, 
And we should care deeply about these things, about the health of our uh, environment around us and how we consume resources and how we pollute or not and how that impacts our land and our neighbors and people in faraway places depending on how we um, engage with those things. Now, this is not a sermon about how Christians should respond to climate issues or crises. Uh, um, those, are, those are very complex issues, but I think, oh, and actually they're, they're very, they get very politicized and people get really uptight really fast. In Andover at the Public Library, Memorial Hall Library, a few years ago, they brought in a college professor. He was sharing a talk on uh, climate change and just to have some discussion and some information. Um, it, got, it got really ugly really fast, and people started yelling at each other. You're, you're an alarmist. You're a denier. And they just started, and they had to call the police to the public library to break this thing up. There was a, there was a headline in the Eagle Tribune, March 7, 2019, said this. Climate change lecture heats up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Warranting police presence. The police had to come break this thing up. Um, anyway, so not to like jump into these huge issues, but I think we should care deeply about the world around us, that God has given us this world. We are to be stewards of the world, and the curse of sin has hurt our relationship with our environment around us. It's, yes, sin breaks our relationship with God. We see that. It breaks our relationship with other people around us, but the, the sinful world we live in means that our environment doesn't work quite right. That, that was part of the curse that we read in Genesis chapter 3, that there's thorns and thistles and there's, there's, um, it, it's, it, it's become harder to even deal with our own environment. Here, this is a terrible time where there's a famine in their land. Um, and we know this. We know that when the, like, when the weather's bad, your mood can get crummy. Or during the winter, you might feel you know, a seasonal affective disorder or might just feel a little bit sad uh, during different seasons. We know that the way that we interact with our physical world around us can impact our lives. So we've got a, a, just a terrible situation here. But worst of all, it's culturally terrible, it's environmentally terrible, but it's also personally terrible uh, for these people. This is this woman, Naomi. She's got a perfect, you know, family of four, her and her husband and her two, two young boys, perfect little Jewish family, uh, but they have to, they, they end up leaving their homeland because of the famine. They go to Moab. Uh, the Moabites were ancient uh, enemies of the Israelites, but they end up in this foreign land, and the, the, the two sons marry Moabite women, uh, but then tragedy strikes this family. Naomi loses her husband. Her husband dies. Then both of her sons die. So she lost her husband and her two sons. And she is just there with her two daughters-in-law. Three widows in a time when the plight of a widow in these days. Again, this is, think, like Iron Age peoples. There wasn't a lot of hope if you don't have family. So they were socially vulnerable, economically vulnerable, and, and Naomi's kind of the worst kind of a widow because she's at a bad age because she didn't have all these uh, grandchildren and all this big family behind her to help and support her. And she seems to be at an age where her parents are already dead. So she's an older widow. She's not young enough to have her family of origin to take care of her, nor a family after her. And she's just kind of stuck. It's a really bad place to be. And, and so she tells her 
daughters-in-law, she said, you guys should go. I mean, I'm too old to provide any more family for you. They had laws. The law that was given at the time of Moses by God provided for uh, widows, that if, if your husband died, if there was another male in the family, that he was required, the brother was required, to take you as his wife and have children with you so that you would have a name to carry on and that uh, your family's legacy would carry on, but also there'd be provision for the widow through her children. But Naomi's too old for that to happen, and if she had a, even if she found somebody and had a baby and was old enough to marry her existing daughters-in-law, they're just too old for the boys. And it's just, a, it's awkward for us, but it's just a, not going to work. I mean, this is just, it's a bad situation. Her best option is to just go back to her homeland. She's basically going to live in poverty, but at least there's some community standards by which she could have some provision, uh, but fairly hopeless kind of a thing. And then when she, so she goes, and when she gets back there, and she's got one of her daughters-in-law with her, the people see her, and they can see that she's in a bad place. Like, is this Naomi? Is this the same woman who left all those years ago with her two young boys and her husband, and now she's got this foreign widow? What, is, what happened to her? And she says, don't call me Naomi, which, mean, which means sweet. It's a very pretty name. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Or she said, as she said back in verse 13, the Lord's hand has turned against me. She said, God has cursed me. God is against me. God has, she's blaming God for what's happened to her. Which from a faith standpoint is okay. That's a pretty terrible situation. At least she's calling out to God. There, there is an act of faith when you call out to God and say, God, why have you given me this terrible path? Why has this tragedy come on my family? And we read through the Psalms. The psalmists aren't afraid to blame God for things. God can take it. He's got a pretty good self-esteem. He can take what you can dish out to him. He just wants to be part of the conversation. God can handle that. So we can be people who pray very honestly in those moments of, of um, hopelessness, in those terrible times. But even in those terrible times, as we turn to God, we can find hope in the midst of it. How? How where is there hope in this account? Two things I want to point out. One, there's hope here because God's people are showing love and loyalty. We see this in Ruth. And this is amazing. Ruth, Naomi says to Ruth, Ruth, go back to your family. You're young. You could get married. You could find a husband. You can start over. I can't. I'm going to go. You stay. There's no hope for you. And one of the daughters-in-law, she does go back to her family. and She's not blamed for that. She, that wasn't any kind of evil thing. But Ruth says one of the most powerful things that is written in Scripture, she says this to Naomi, verse 16. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Ruth unites herself to Naomi, is loyal to her, takes on Naomi's condition, her poverty, and it, just, it says, I'm going to walk with you through this terrible time. Now, Ruth, not only, so Ruth is also a widow, because her husband died, but not only is she a widow, but she's now going to be a foreign widow. And she's, 
not just a foreigner, which is hard enough as it is, but she's a foreigner of a people group that is despised by the people who she's moving to. She's a Moabite moving to Israel. So she's, she's a widow, she's an outsider, a hated outsider, and of a family where there's been a lot of death, and it seems as if she's cursed. You know, you see this family come back, like, ooh, the husband's dead, the two sons are dead, they left Israel to go to Moab, uh, they're cursed. I'm going to stay away. She's heading into a, a pretty bad place of, of, of life here. Completely selfless. Just giving her life to Naomi to walk with her into this, into this terrible chapter. But God uses people to walk alongside one another through those times. And you may have experienced that. You may have been in a low point in your life or faced a tragedy or a loss. And it was, the, it was God's people who put their faith in God who decided, hey, I'm going to walk with you through this. You are not alone. Or maybe you could be that for someone else, that you know somebody who's going through a battle and say, you know what, I'm going to walk with you in prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to visit you. We're going to check in. We are in this together. And God gives people to walk with others through those dark times. The problem is, for those of you who have been in those dark times and you've been alone, or you've been betrayed, say, you know what, I needed somebody to walk with me and my spouse betrayed me, or a friend turned on me, or a community, a church wasn't there. And I was totally alone. And if that's you, there's another source of hope here. Not just the loyal daughter-in-law, the loyalness, the loyalty of Ruth, but also the second thing is the quiet hand of God. And we see this in verse 22. It says, they were arriving in Bethlehem as the barley har- harvest was beginning. The barley harvest, interesting fact. Hmm. They're going back to Bethlehem. They're going back to the land where God had designated for his people. It's essentially turning back to the God who provides. The reason they went back um, was, was because in verse 6, says, Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. She and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. They see that this environmental disaster, this famine, wasn't going to last forever, that God was restoring and providing, and they were, heading, they were turning back is kind of symbolically turning back to God's way and God's land and God's provision, that God is coming to the aid of his people. And the fact that they went at that very season, at the harvest, the barley harvest is starting, becomes a very significant part in the rest of the story. This is a key part of this whole thing, is that it was the barley harvest. If you're not familiar with the story of Ruth, keep store away that the barley harvest is starting, because this is going to be important. If you're familiar with the story, you know how God used this to provide for them. But God, this is how God works. He's always unfolding his plan and his purposes behind the scenes, even in a terrible situation, a terribly tragic situation, that God is working his thing behind the scenes, and they may not have even been able to see it. That's how God works. The more that you face terrible times, and the more that you've come through them, the more you, you know, too, that that's how God works. And as you go through those dark valleys and see God's provision on the other side, you can have hope. And there's this, this rhythm of that. Why does God allow me to go through it? I don't know, but he's, he's still at work, and he's still good, and he still provides. 
I think of the Apostle Paul when he talks about his, this beautiful contentment of faith that he has. And he's teaching the young church uh, in the New Testament. He writes how he's, he's learned what it is to have a lot, and he's learned what it is to be in great need. And he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I know that God is going to give me his strength in those dark times, and I can, so I can have a sense of, even though I'm struggling, I can have some sense of faith and contentment because I know that God is a God who provides. And I've seen it in my own life. At my darkest, really one of the darkest seasons of my life when I got into a lot of trouble when I was younger, I got kicked out of college, I felt like I had nothing, I was very alone, very desperate. But God was using that season to show me something, to bring me to a new place where I would see and experience different things, but I had to go through that great loss to, to put me on a totally different path. God was at work. So now as I face things, I know, all right, Lord, I don't understand why you've called me to suffer or to have this trouble, but I know that you're good. And we're going to see over the next three weeks how God provides for Naomi and for Ruth through, you know, on the other side of this tragedy. But for today, we need to remember that we can have hope in terrible times because we can experience the love and the loyalty of others and the quiet hand of God. And even if others have not been loyal to you, God has been loyal to you. And the season of Advent and Christmas is the perfect time to remember that. The coming of Jesus reminds us perfectly, just like Ruth left her home to be with, to support Naomi. Jesus left his heavenly home to come and to love and to serve us. Just as Ruth chose a life of poverty, Jesus, Scripture says, though he was rich, he became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. Just as Ruth was willing to live as an outcast, willing to be rejected and despised, Jesus ultimately came to that which was his own, and his own did not receive him. He was rejected and despised and and sentenced to death even on a cross. And it was Ruth who was willing to suffer for the sake of Naomi, but Jesus perfectly suffered for us on that cross. He died for our sins, but he rose to new life so that we can have hope. Even if you're in a terrible time, we know because of Jesus that the story doesn't end in death. It ends with resurrection and new life and hope for all eternity. Let us pray. Father God, we pray that you would give us hope. Help us to believe that it is true that even in our dark place, even in the darkest valley, you are there and that you are clinging to us in that darkness and that you are with us and that you are faithful and loyal, that your word is true when it says that you are working all things to the good of those uh, who are called according to your purposes, Lord. So in faith, we just trust when we have despair, Lord, where we have lost hope, where we pray that we would see the truth that your kingdom is coming and that you are indeed working all things for good, Lord. Pray also that we would see those around us who are struggling, who are in the midst of trouble and just terrible times, Lord, that we would be people who are loyal and faithful to walk alongside, to journey through the, the trouble, to point to the hope that we have in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.